So we're studying this weekend, we are studying um, wisdom and understanding that comes from the scriptures. Last week, we talked about a subject that, that pretty much every one of us uh, could be affected by, and that was the subject of pride. And it was a heavy duty. I mean, it's never comfortable talking about that stuff because every, I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't know how much of the Bible you, I don't care how much of the Bible you have memorized. Every human being is going to struggle with pride at some point or another. Don't care who it is. Okay, so if you weren't here last week, and I would advise you to go online, go to, go to our YouTube uh, channel and go and watch the message from last weekend because it's extremely important. Okay, we covered scriptures last week, like Proverbs chapter 11, verse two. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Okay, now it's, it's very, very important for us to understand the, the mechanics of this scripture. Okay, when pride comes, then comes what? Disgrace, disgrace. okay. Um, that was one, two, possibly three. When pride comes, then comes what? Okay, this is important. Now, I'm going to explain to you why this scripture is so important. This is not the entire message today, but I want to emphasize this particular part from last week's message. We live in a, a society right now that very little, very few things that happen our society is willing to call disgrace. In fact, it's usually the righteousness that's called disgrace, and the things that should be a disgrace are celebrated. Are you listening to me? Okay, now, why, why I'm, the reason I'm saying we need to be particularly very much aware of the mechanics of this is because you and I are bombarded by a society that does not have any shame anymore. I'm gonna keep talking whether you wanna jump in or not, that's up to you. Okay, now I understand that on the Christian side of things, we should not entertain shame because our shame, our reproach, all of our disgrace, Jesus bore on the cross. Okay, and we're free from that. However, there is still such a thing in society that I, I think if it was still considered a shame, we'd see a lot less of. Amen. A couple of you are like, I don't know if I want to agree with that. That's because you've already been polluted by most of the lies that are being perpetrated in society. Okay? Most of the things that go on, uh, on uh, I'm not going to get involved in this more than the statement I'm going to make. Most of the stuff that we see in, on the political scene would have been a complete disgrace and had people thrown out of government. They never would have ran again for office. They would have moved out of the country only 20 years ago. Okay? So why am I saying this? Am I trying? No, no, I'm not trying to be political. What I'm trying to say is stop allowing society to dull you. Because the truth of the matter still is where there's pride, there's going to be disgrace in God's eyes. Now, could you put that scripture back up there? But with humility comes what? Wisdom. There is a direct connection between humility and wisdom. How is that, Pastor? Well, there is a concept in the scriptures, and we talked about it a lot last weekend. In fact, Corey O'Neill, who's on staff here, and I just finished recording our latest, latest 
podcast, which is coming out this coming Thursday. And we elaborated on last weekend's message about pride and went into a little bit deeper. And especially we talked about the connection between humility and wisdom. Okay, now I'm going to switch a word out here and I don't think I'm taking anything out of context or stretching anything. I want to take the word wisdom out and put the word grace. Because when you receive wisdom from God, it is a manifestation of his grace. He doesn't have to instruct us. He doesn't have to direct us. He doesn't have to he doesn't have to shower his unlimited ability upon us. But he does when we humble ourselves. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Okay. So when you and I humble ourselves, then comes what? Grace. So don't get caught up in the things of pride. Don't get caught up in a society that wants to uh, elevate self, make you the self, the, the center of your universe. We are called to humble ourselves in the sight of God so that in due time, he may exalt us. He only exalts the humble. Those who are not humble are forced to exalt themselves. And when a person who is not humble, when a person who's walking in pride refuses to humble themselves, then the circumstances of life will humble them. Amen? Okay, so please go listen to last week's message. It's extremely important. Now, this week, I want to finish this series by starting out with the very first of the Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Look at verse 2. Verse 2, now he's going to tell us what is the reason that this book exists. You realize that Proverbs is a book unto its own, right? You do understand, of course, because you're all Bible students, that the Bible is really a library of books. We know that, right? So whenever you're hearing somebody preaching, you go, let's go to the book of Ruth, or let's go to the book of Joshua. Let's go to, it's individual books that have been, compiled together and formed into a library, okay? So in the book of Proverbs, okay, it tells us that the reason it exists is to do what? For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding the words of insight, keep going, for receiving, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior. Does anybody remember that word prudent? Because we live in a society now where there is, no, it's, there is no such thing as modesty. There is no such thing as being prudent, disciplined, discerning. It's a free-for-all. It's a free-for-all. Are you listening to me? Don't let that attitude get in you. We're going to stand before God someday. We're going to want to have, we're going to want the satisfaction to know that I did not, even though I'm born again, my spirit is saved. I have the Holy Spirit living inside me. Father, I did my best to keep myself unstained from the world. I did not say I don't love the people in the world. I'm glad that somebody loved me enough to spend time to make sure that I understood that I needed Jesus to be my savior, okay? Even in the worst of the worst of the worst of my degeneracy, God sent somebody because he loved me. He did the same thing with you. You might have been a little bit cleaner sinner than I was, but you were still a sinner. All right? So Proverbs exists that we would receive instruction in what? Prudent behavior, doing, oh, this is a novel idea, doing what is right and just and fair. Next verse. 
And for giving prudence to those who were simple, we could say uneducated, okay? Knowledge and discretion to the young. Knowledge and what? Now listen to me, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you with an assignment. I, I'm gonna suggest to you that for the next couple of weeks, whenever you think about praying for yourself, listen, that you pray, Father, grant me discernment like never before. Because let me tell you something, okay? Because the majority of the body of Christ is walking around like this. We are supposed to be the wisest of individuals on the earth. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us who knows everything that's going on. Are you, are you following me? Please, don't, don't just think you can just float. I just want to just float through. Pastor, just wanna, I just want to just float through life. Jellyfish float. And they go wherever the tide takes them. Sharks know exactly where they're going. Pray for discernment. Pray for discernment. Okay? So it, the, the book of Proverbs exists to give knowledge and discretion. You notice it singles out one particular group here. To the young. Now, that could be young age-wise. It could be young in the faith. Okay? But, but listen, to those of us who are on the other side of 40, some of us are way on the other side of 40. Some of us are just on the other side of 40. Um, I can still look back and see it, okay? Um, let us not think that we don't have anything to learn. I don't know what it is about some individuals when they get on that other side of 40 and they start heading more and more towards you know, later years that they think they have nothing to learn. We, as long as you're alive, you should still be learning. You never finish your education in this life. You listening? Yes. You listening? Yes. Now, to those of you on the other side of 40, still heading that way, start in including in your um, portfolio that there are people on the other side of 40 that might know some things that you don't. And, and we're very willing to share that, that life experience. But make sure that you are going to the word of God to formulate what you think, how you're going to speak, and how you're going to walk. And that's exactly what we're talking about in this part two of this series. Here, here it is. I'm going to give you a bottom line. Before we even jump into it, I'm going to give you a bottom line. In this life, no matter where you go, no matter what you think, no matter what you say, it had better be based on God's wisdom. I'm going to say it again. Grab a hold of this. I would write this down. I wish I, was, I, wish I could give quizzes every once in a while. I would have quiz Sunday, maybe like every, every quarter. Okay? In this life, no matter where you go, no matter what you think, no matter what you say, it had, be, it had better be based on God's wisdom. Amen? Amen? We're talking about walking, thinking, talking. Say that with me. Walking, thinking, talking. Okay, we're going to start out with walking. Each and every one of us is walking down a certain path in, in, in probably a few different areas of life. There's some of us that are walking down a path of relationship. 
You might be in, in a new relationship. You might be coming out of a relationship. You might be in the middle of a relationship, but that relationship has changed drastically. I was having a conversation with a couple of people. My wife was there. And uh, we were talking about some things, you know, in this stage of life. Um, oh, I forgot. In a couple of weeks, when's the 27th? Friday. Next Friday? Oh, okay. Um, we'll celebrate... 44, oh my God, please let me get this right. <laughs> 44 years married, right? Yeah, 77, 21, yeah. 44 years married. I'm not, I didn't say it for that. I didn't say it for that. I didn't say it for that. But what I'm saying is this, okay? And this is an extremely important part of life and part of marriage, okay? I'm not married to the same person I was married to 44 years ago. She's not married to the same person she was married to 44 years ago. In fact, we probably have been married to about five or six different individuals during that time, all in the same bodies. Okay, now here, here's the problem. This is why what ends up happening, and oh God, please, I hope I'm not sharing this. All right. Is people forget. And I never, years and years and years ago, I did a teaching. And I should probably do it again, the whole, the whole teaching. And I brought up, uh, four or five different individuals. Jim, you, you were, Jimmy, you were, you were one. You were the first one I brought up. Okay, this is years ago. Okay, I don't know if you remember or not. Then I brought someone up who was a little bit younger, a little bit older. Then I brought somebody else a little bit older. Then I brought up a gentleman who was almost in his 80s. Okay, and I said, you started out marrying this guy. And then 10 or, 20, 10 or 15 years later, now you got this guy. Another 10 or 15 years later, now you got this guy, and now you're going to end up with this guy. You need to fall in love with each one of those individuals in their seasons. Or else, that's why you find someone in their 60s, at that point, they've been married for 40 years, and then they get divorced. Because somewhere along the line, they forgot to fall in love with who that person is now. You catching this? And for you, young, you youngsters, learn that lesson, okay? You, you, in fact, you didn't even come home from your honeymoon with the same person that you married, okay? Are you, are you getting this, all right? So um, where was I going with that? So, so again, here, we're walking down these paths of relationships. Now, even being married 44 years doesn't mean that we don't need wisdom for this relationship now. Why? We're not the same people we were 44 years ago. Are you listening? Yes. It's the same with every relationship because you and I get disappointed sometimes because maybe a long-term relationship that we had all of a sudden went sour. Well, I don't understand. These people, we've been friends for decades and all of a sudden they changed. Well, of course they changed. You changed too. So if we don't get understanding from the word of God, we're going to walk on paths of relationships that are going to, in other words, you're going to step on a landmine one of these days. It's going to blow up in your face and you're going to end up bitter, hard-hearted and nasty like some of, of course, nobody in here, like some of the old people that you know. Don't anybody move, don't flinch. Don't, certainly don't go like this. Okay, we want to be nice old people. Amen. Amen. 
Okay, and, and I'm, listen to me, I'm talking from experience. All right, I've told you this story many times. Years ago when I was in the catering business, we did a lot of work for the senior communities in this area. And listen, if you want to meet some really nasty, bitter, miserable, cheap, they're there. They exist, but they didn't start that way. Remember, the book of Proverbs is for wisdom and understanding and instruction so that we would be, behave ourselves prudently. So we would, I, I'm not kidding you. I'm being very transparent. I have found myself in seasons of praying, Father, you're going to have to grace me to age gracefully because I don't like the idea of aging. Do you? No, no of course not. Of course not. So, so I'm believing that there is a grace to be able to increase in years without becoming one of those, as Uncle Buck put it in his movie, a dried up old skag. Okay? Where's that wisdom going to have to come from? Proverbs. Why do I need wisdom? Pastor, at your age, you still need wisdom. Are you kidding me? I need more wisdom now than I did when I was 20. When I was 20, I had no idea what life had in store. Now I've gotten a taste of it. Trust me, we need more wisdom now than we've ever needed in our lives. And you're going to need the same thing as you progress. Why? Because we're all walking. We're on a path going somewhere. There are some in this room that are on a path towards trying to either repair destructive damage in your finances or trying to line yourself up so that your finances are in good shape so that when you get older, you don't have to be worrying about how am I going to pay my mortgage or I need a new car or how am I going to pay my medical bills or anything like that. These are real facts of life. We understand this, right? Okay. So, so you got to start someplace. So Proverbs gives us the understanding that we need on the path that we're on, in relationships, in our finances, in our spiritual journey with God. And we know that wise paths lead to health and life. Foolish paths can lead to loss and regret. You, you listening? Listen, there is nothing worse. Again, I, none of us want to end up that old fool. I hope nobody's in here going, ooh, that hurt. None of us want to end up the old fool that never took, never gained any wisdom, never gained any understanding, never put anything aside for the future, uh, cut off, burnt every bridge of relationship. None of us, who wants to be that person? None of us. But if we don't start walking in wisdom now, we're not going to see it. Here's, I could wrap everything up in this one portion of scripture. Proverbs chapter three, you probably know where I'm going. Verse 5 and 6, Proverbs 3. What does this start? It's the very first word, trust. Trust in who? Trust in the Lord. Not trust in me, not trust in myself, not, trust, not trusting in you. Trust in the Lord with what? All our heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In other words, if you think you're going to go through life, well, you know what, Pastor? I've got plenty of life experience. I could really, oh, give me a break. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll do what? What are we talking about being on? We're talking about being on a path. We're talking about being on a path, okay? So if we'll acknowledge him in all our ways, 
then he will direct our path. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So basically what this verse is saying is this. Deciding how you're going to conduct yourself on your path starts out with who are you serving? Who are you serving? That's, that's the question you have to ask. Can you go back to verse five? Trust in the who? Lord. The Lord. So you're going to have to make a decision at some point. Well, pastor, I'm born again already. No, no, no. Just because you're born again, just because you're going to heaven, just because you have the Holy Spirit living inside you does not necessarily equate with you serving God. There are plenty of Christians on their way to heaven. They got the Holy Ghost in them, speaking in tongues, the whole bit, who spend their entire, of course, nobody in here, who spend their entire lives self-serving. They're the center of everything. They're the center of the universe. They're the center of every conversation. They're the center of everything that's going on. They're the ones, you know, the big life of the party type people, self-serving. And they will inadvertently suck everybody in their life into that circle of serve me, worship me, look at me, 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 me. None of us want to be that person. Amen? So trust in the Lord below your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So we have to make a decision. Because you see, there's a lot of voices that speak to us on those paths. So you have to ask yourself the question and I have to ask myself the question. Am I going to take the path that my feelings are going to dictate or am I going to trust God whose truth never changes? Because let me tell you something, okay? There is a difference between walking in God's perfect plan for your life and walking in your plan for your life. Okay, are we getting that? Proverbs chapter four, verse 10. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. How many, how many want your years to be life, of life to be many? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just getting started. I'm just, I don't know if I want to live like another 100 years, but I'd like to see at least another 25, 30, 40 would be good. Okay, in good health. In good health, okay? So, verse 11 says, I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. Straight path, not crooked, not up and down, straight paths. Proverbs chapter four, verse 26, give careful thought to the paths of, for your feet and, they, and be steadfast in all your ways. Now, if I were to ask you this question, if you could answer it answer very honestly and transparently, okay? If you were to examine your life, on which paths do your feet consistently walk? If you were to examine your life and you were going to be honest and transparent, where do you find your feet consistently taking you? Okay, because every one of us have dozens of little forks in the road throughout life. Are you you listening to me? What, What is a fork in the road? A fork in the road is when you come, you could be traveling down a road, traveling down a path, traveling down a highway, and all of a sudden it does not, is not continuing to go straight. You either have to go to the left or you have to go to the right. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, I can think of many forks in the road in my life 
where I should have probably went to the right but went to the left. Somewhere I should have went to the left and went to the right. Um, some that I got right, I don't mean direction right, but got correct, okay? But how many of us can think of things in our life or areas in our life that we got completely shipwrecked because when we came to that fork in the road, we did not go the right direction. And depending on what that is and depending on the season of life, um, it may take years to recover from. You know, we, my wife and I were, were forced to go into bankruptcy to file bankruptcy back way before it was fashionable, back in the, in the 80s, uh, early 90s, okay? And uh, thank God, by the grace of God, you know, we, we recuperated from that, but it took, it took years. It took years to get back. And, and for those of you that had to go into that, uh, there's life after bankruptcy. Don't, don't let that fear, because I think it's the fear of bankruptcy that cripples people more than anything else in the actual process. Okay, thank God, you know, we, 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 we have built within, uh, not only in the Word of God, but also even in some of our laws, inspired by the Word of God, um, that we can recuperate from that. It doesn't have to be a disaster. But then how many have had situations in life, and you don't have to raise your hand for this one, where you made the wrong decision and there was no coming back from it. You either had scars or you had permanent, you, you, your life changed permanently because of a decision that was made, okay? And sometimes the thing that hurts the most is when that happens and it was based on somebody else's decision that affected you, okay? So let me ask you that question again. If you were to be honest with yourself, where would you say your feet usually have the tendency to find themselves. Whatever that area is, you need to bombard it with the word of God. You need to bombard it with the wisdom of God. You need to learn how to resist because it's normally going to be an area uh, of temptation. Okay? Um, it's going to something that a path that you got yourself on was lured onto, was tempted to, to go. That looked really good. The tree in the garden looked really good and the fruit looked very, very good. Okay, but how many would you admit, man, they took the wrong fork in the road? Okay, and we've been suffering from that ever since. So, what we need to be careful of, and I'm kind of blending this now into the next part of this, and I got to start moving quick here, is most times you found yourself on that particular fork in the road because of someone's suggestion. Somebody spoke into your life and gave you the wrong advice, the wrong information. And this is what comes back to me saying before, I challenge you that for the next few weeks, start praying to God to give you, to allow you to operate in more discretion, discernment than ever before. You see, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. If we will unclutter, is, it, is that the right word? Is it declutter or unclutter? Declutter is better. You like declutter better? Okay, we'll use declutter. If you will declutter your life, your soul, stop filling your head all the time with nonsense, you will start to see that you can hear the voice of your spirit much clearer. Oh, pastor, I thought it was the voice of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it, it, but the Holy Spirit comes to live inside your spirit when you got born again. So the Holy Spirit will speak to your spirit. Your spirit will try to influence your soul. You listening to me? Yes. I want you to know how the mechanics work. 
Because most people walk around going, I don't hear from God. I don't hear. No, no. You, no, your spirit is very much here from God. Your transmitter is cluttered. Your transmitter is not on the right. You know, that little, you got to tweak the dial and you get away from the static so that you can get the clear message. If you will declutter your soul, okay, you will start to realize I'm hearing from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will be the one that will show you, no, go to the right this time. No, this time go to the left. Or stop right where you are. Don't make any turn right now. Just stay where you are. I'll tell you when to move. Okay, you'll see this in the Old Testament. Many times when Israel was going to battle, God would give them specific directions and specific timing. When they listened to God's timing, they were victorious. When they did not, they were not. Amen? Amen. The next portion we want to talk about, remember we're talking about walking, thinking, talking. This is what Solomon said to his sons, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. You listening? Above all else. In other words, make this the top priority. Guard your heart. Why? Because when a person doesn't guard their heart, they are prone to, they are vulnerable to, they are most likely going to follow a voice. They're going to follow something. They're going to make decisions based on impulse, not wisdom. And they're going to find themselves in a predicament that is life altering. Okay? But we're talking about thinking here. Well, uh, Pastor, I just, you know, I just can't control my thoughts. No, no, we can. We can. Okay, we can do that. We can control our thoughts. As soon as we're, you know, you're only held responsible for the thoughts that you become aware of. But at the point when you become aware of something, okay, at that point, you have to hit that. You got to realize, oh, whoa, what am I doing here? What am I thinking? Stop this. Okay, so uh, replace it with scriptures. Remind yourself that if if you continue to go down this path, it's not going to stop at just thinking. You're going to start talking about it, you're going to start walking in it. Okay, are you getting this? Uh, Is anybody learning anything this morning? Okay, one of the greatest methods and the most powerful methods of changing and stopping the wrong thoughts is praying in the Spirit. And if you don't know what that is, then at the end of service, come up here and there'll be people and people explain that to you. We're talking about the results of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and the ability to pray in other tongues, okay? That is a major, major way to get to stop those wrong thoughts and to rechannel the way you're thinking. Amen? That's why, that's why that gift exists for us. Okay? So, we're talking about thinking. We've got to value and protect our mind, our emotions, our will, and we need to be constantly aware of what's dominating our thinking. Okay? Because uh, everything we do starts with a thought. Uh, let me propose this to you. Um, can anybody here give me the definition of what it means to be a speculator? Okay, what does it mean to be a spe- What does it mean to speculate? Okay, to take a chance, to take a risk, to a gamble. 
most of the time, most of us are more familiar with it in real estate terms. Okay, uh, you find a piece of property and you realize, wow, I can buy this property. I can split it, split it up in like five or six different lots and build five or six different homes. And so you're going to speculate. You're now going to take a chance. You, you stand on that property and you begin to imagine, well, I could put a cul-de-sac in here and we could put a house here and we can fit five or six houses around this. And uh, I'll speculate now that it's going to cost me uh, X amount of dollars to bring in the road. I'm going to bring in the sewer lines. I'm going to bring in the water lines. And we've got to bring utilities, all this other stuff. So I speculate that at the end of this project, I might be able to clear $10 million, okay? But it's all speculation. And how many of us have known people who have started out projects like that and got at the end and did not make $10 million, probably owed $10 million? Why? Because they speculated and they took in the wrong information and their speculation was based on faulty facts. Am I, you know what I'm talking about now? Yeah. Okay, here's what some of us do. We are speculators in our minds, and it gets us in trouble. We, we come in contact with people. Uh, we might see something that they've done. We might hear something they said. We observe a person's body language, and we begin to speculate and conjure up an entire scenario in our head based on faulty information. Yeah. You hear about somebody going out to dinner with somebody else and you go, well, the last time we all went out to dinner together, but this time they went out to dinner on their own. And so now you start, come on. You start, what do you start doing? Speculating. And it starts with this. I wonder... Now, now you go back a week or two and you go, oh, wait a second. I remember the last time I saw so-and-so in church. They looked at me weird. <laughs> Is this too close for comfort? Or, or you start, now, now once you start entertaining the speculation, it's like you now have become the author of this soap opera that doesn't exist. <laughs> and you start now thinking about things they said or they come to you and say, I literally had this happen to me. I said, uh, good morning, somebody. What do you mean by that? <laughs> good morning. And then you hear later. Well, I, I, I saw the way you looked at me when you said good morning. <laughs> I, I sense that this is too close for comfort. Nobody wants to admit that they think this way. I have seen families split, relationships destroyed because of speculation, because somebody in that equation did not take responsibility for their thoughts. Now you start speculating, and so now you're just compiling information, and now you're ready to go to press. And so now you start involving somebody else. Beth, is it my imagination, or is... Don't leave me hanging here. So now all of a sudden, this poor individual has no clue of what's been going. He doesn't even know that you had a mini-series going on in your head. And now because of your thinking, you start to change paths. 
And now when you see the person come to church, you don't want to sit on that side where you usually sit. You're going to sit on this side. Why? I don't know. I'm watching this relationship. You see them at the store, at the supermarket, at the mall, on the boardwalk. And what do you do? Because you base it on your thought life. Thank you. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Verse 6. Remember, we're talking about thinking. Okay, Proverbs, the word of God will give us wisdom when it comes to thinking. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7. And, I like to put it this way, and as a result of verse 6, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will do what? Guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Okay? But now watch this now. If, I like to put it this way. If you want verse 7, you got to do verse 6. But in order to do verse 6, you're going to need verse 8. Let's go to verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, so we know this is written to Christians. This is not written to the people in the world. This is written to Christians. Finally, brothers and sisters, I'll put it this way. In order not to get caught up in speculation, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Stop assuming. Okay, I get this all the time. Okay? You know, Pastor, two weeks ago I came to church and you walked right by me and didn't say hello. <laughs> Never mind that Pastor might have had 10 million things on his mind that morning. And and getting and trying to and trying to guard my heart because I've got to get up here to preach. Okay, so then I know what the speculation is. Oh, I remember when the church was small, he used to say hello to me all the time. <laughs> Who does he think he is now? Oh, he's a big shot because now they've got three campuses. He hasn't had time to say hello to meek little old me. Honey, I didn't even see you. Because I have my mind on maybe somebody who's dying in the hospital or some marriage that's falling apart or the report that I might have just got before it's time to start service of so-and-so being in a car accident or something like that. Please control your thoughts. I love you. We're fine. Everything is great. Okay? Just keep your thoughts, corral them. Put them in the right place so that they don't become vicious animals. Okay? Keep it, keep it right. You don't think that we have to deal with the same speculation? Okay? And, and, and don't get mad if we call you because we haven't seen you in a while. We care about you. Or well, what are they trying to do? Are they trying to just, just uh, watch every step that I take? No, we care about you. Okay? Are we good? Yes. Look at here. Look here. Are we good? Yes. Are, we, are our thoughts all lined up right? Yes. Good. Thank you. Okay, good. So, if you want verse 7, you got to do verse 6. If you want to do verse 6, I would suggest we pay attention to verse 8. Because character and conduct begin in the mind. Our actions are affected by the things that we dwell on in our thought life. And Paul 
encourages us to concentrate on the things that will result in right living and in God's peace, okay? Let's be honest with each other. Let's face it. We are what we think. When thoughts are managed correctly, they produce peace, okay? Let's go to the last part here, and we're going to finish up this series. The Bible says that our words have tremendous and enormous power for both good and for bad. They can bring life or they can bring death. They can bring healing or they can bring hurt. So we need to be very much aware of talking. And Proverbs speaks mostly about our words. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. I like to take the word love and add to it the word value. In other words, if you value the fact that the tongue has power, you're going to eat the fruit of it. And let's put it this way, okay? You're going to eat the fruit of it regardless of whether it's good or bad. In fact, the sad fact about life is most of us are eating the results of our bad words that we spoke, our negative words that we spoke, the words of death that we spoke. And you need to be very careful because there's something about the way God created us. There's something very spiritual that happens, a force that is put into effect when our ears hear our mouth saying something, it triggers something in our heart. Just think about it. How did you get born again? You got born again because your ears heard your mouth say, based on what was in your heart, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that he's the son of God. I believe that, that he died on the cross for my sins and God raised him from the dead. When your soul heard your mouth say that, something happened. Your spirit came alive unto God. That's how powerful words are. Are you listening? Okay. Uh, think about it. When the devil in the form of a serpent began to speak lies to Eve, she allowed those lies to settle in her heart. Why? She starts having a conversation with the snake. She engaged, she allowed those little containers of power in the form of words from the serpent to come alive on the inside of her. And what happened? Immediately, darkness came into her soul. She made the wrong decision based on words. You and I have the opportunity to be, let me just say this, okay? 37 years ago when I got born again, I got born again in a church and in part of a movement that was very much, very much centered around this concept. Some people took it to the extreme, okay? Uh, like if you said something like, man, I'm dying for a milkshake. Oh no, don't say that. You're dying, you're bringing death on yourself. Does anybody remember that? Yeah. You guys remember that, okay. All right, so, so I'm not saying that we need to go to that extreme. But the fact is we do train ourselves to think a certain way by the way we talk. And there's certain, you, and you know, you can go from family to family to family and every family has their own death talk and every family has their own life talk, okay? We're always gonna be poor. My parents were poor. My grandparents were poor. So we're, you know, we're, let's just face it, we're always gonna be poor. That's death talk, okay? That's death talk. We're always gonna have, you know, so if you have, fam if your family history is full of 
some type of life-controlling substance abuse, then you probably heard that kind of conversations from generation to generation. Grandfather was a drunk, you're gonna be a drunk. Your uncle was a drunk, your uncle was a drug addict, you're just like so-and-so. Or or you get like the family communal diseases that everybody's expected to have. Because grandma had a heart condition, now everybody's having, because grandpa had diabetes, everybody's gonna have diabetes. Well, you know, blood pressure runs in our family. Well, let it run out the door in this generation. Okay, you hear what I'm saying? It's, it's those type of things. Okay, sure. You know, for years and years and years and years and years, people in my family kept saying, you're just like your Uncle John, just like your Uncle John, just like your Uncle John, just like your Uncle John. Well, Uncle John had a massive heart attack at 40-something years old. Okay? All right? So, no, he dies at 58 years old. Okay? When I turned 58 years old, I had to deal with those thoughts. Because I had so much being spoken of. You look just like him. You act just like him. You talk just like him. you got to combat those things. And I'm, I can tell by the, by the quietness in this room right now, you know that there are words that you need to break off of yourself that have been going from generation to generation to generation to generation. They're not from God. God didn't create your family to have a specific DNA so that you would have these conditions or that you would suffer from these type of uh, life-controlling issues. That is, that is from the devil. You, you getting this? Uh, there was a branch in our family, uh, on my wife's side of the family, that they automatically had an assumption that at some point, some member of that family would get divorced. And there was like, I don't know, five, six sisters. And every one of them, every single one of them, at one point or another, ended up going through a divorce because they joked around about it. They joked around. They joked around about having all, all using the same lawyers. They joked around about all having the same type of husbands. <laughs> Guess what? The world that you live in and I live in right now was formed by words. Amen. We form, our personalities are formed by words. Our, 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 the character that we're going to walk in is formed by words. Now, once you become very much aware of that, you can be, and here, I started this whole thing by wanting to say this. I'm not saying, and neither does the book of Proverbs or God teach us to be paranoid about our words, but we are taught to be intentional about our words. Intentional about our words. Okay? There's many times, and it always seems to happen when I have to come up to preach on the day that I'm going to minister, that I'll just get this like, man, I'm, and, and on the inside I'm feeling this, Sometimes I let it slip, but most times I'm going to be intentional. I want to say I'm exhausted. I want to say, man, if I could just hang out today and just relax. I want to say I'd love to just kick back and sit by the pool all day. But I have to be intentional about my words. Are you listening to me? Yes. Okay, be intentional. Okay, because if I start saying what I feel like, those symptoms are going to become accelerated, exaggerated. They're going to start coming to the forefront, okay? So um, no matter how I feel, I have to be intentional about, Father, I thank you. I've got energy. I've got the stamina that I need. I have your grace upon my life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't matter what I feel like. I'm going to tell my body what I feel like. And I'm telling you, it has never failed yet. Now, on the opposite side of things, 
I've shared this with you before because it's the most common and relevant illustration I can use. When you're sitting in front of the TV and the commercial comes on, and it's a, it, it, let's just say, um, it's, uh, yeah. You, you see where I'm going? Because it's everybody. It's like, it's the 10 o'clock demon that shows up. Ice cream and the fudge and the toppings and the shh, the whipped cream. And you sit there and you're watching this. The most devilish thing you can say is, oh man, I feel like having one of those. Exactly. You're going to shut the TV. No matter what you look like, no matter what you're wearing, you're going to jump in the car and you're going to run someplace to go get ice cream. And it all started with, man, I could really go for one of those. Every sin that we get involved in starts with, man, I could really go for it. And then you fill in the blank. We need to be intentional with our words. We need to speak what God says. It's a way for us to short circuit our natural tendency to go towards the negative, to go towards the flesh, to go towards sin, to go towards the kingdom of darkness. You and I need to be intentional about these things. When somebody says to me, my husband is not saved, my wife, my child, my whatever, my coworker, I will say to them, they are not saved yet. Yet. Do not, do not put an exclamation point there. They're not saved. They're not saved yet. Are they still alive? Are they still breathing? It ain't over yet. Why? Because we trap people with our words. Oh, I had somebody say, oh, oh no, trust me. They'll never get saved. And I'm thinking, yeah, while they got you in their life, they're never going to get saved. Okay? Don't box people in. Okay? Uh, I've had people that I prayed for. Pray, everything tears, the whole bit. Walk, walk away, five minutes later, speak the exact opposite of what we just prayed. Be intentional with your words. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. And I think we're going to wrap it up after that. I love this one. I don't like the results of it, but I like how powerful this is. The words of the... That, that's not an important word to you? The words of the... Do what? Pierce like swords. You and I cannot afford to be reckless. Now, we could turn this around and say, here it is. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. We could put it this way. But the words of the intentional can bring healing. What do you want to be known as being the reckless one or being the one who's intentional? How many of you do not like having a person in your life who can be categorized or classified as this, the loose cannon? Does anybody know what I'm talking about when I use that term, loose cannon? I, I'm very uncomfortable around people who are loose cannons. Okay, because you never know what they're going to come out with. You never know because, because their, their words are reckless. Okay, and so reckless words do what? Pierce. But the tongue of the wise brings what? Healing. Are we building each other up? 
Are we encouraging each other? Are we speaking words of affirmation? Well, pastor, what if the person is making one mistake after another after another? Yeah, I know. But there's a way to encourage them and get them away from that. They don't need to hear from you. You're nothing but a loser. You're never going to accomplish anything. You're still screwing up. You're still, you're still making a mess out of your life. You know that. God knows that. The devil knows that. But that's not going to pull them out of the situation. Are you listening? Now, unless you just don't care. And I tell you, I am amazed at the stuff I hear come out of the mouth of parents about their children. I thank God that I got born again. Our oldest was only three years old at the time. And I, and I got a hold of this concept. Why? Because I was subject to somebody with reckless words that pierced like a sword. And I knew what it felt like to have things said, things insinuated. Okay? Anybody would say anything negative to my kids, I would go after them like going for their throat. Because I was not going to have my children be subject to that kind of stuff. I hear people at times, oh, oh, he's just a devil. Oh, they're so rebellious. Oh, they're, they're just, they're in that stage now where they just don't, well, they're in the stage because you've been calling forth that stage since the day they were born. Okay, it doesn't have to be the terrible twos. Okay, be careful what you say over your children. Well, you know, this one's, this one's smart, but the other one, <laughs> we don't even realize what we're saying sometimes. Please, be intentional about your words. Study the book of Proverbs. I'm telling you, it's, it's perfect the way, God, the way God put it together. There's 31 Proverbs. If you read one every day, You'll, you'll go through it in, in a matter of a month, depending on what month you're in, okay? But you could double up at the end of the month if you, you know, in one of those months where there's less than 31 days. There's one for every day. Start off, uh, start, what's today, the 15th? Yeah. Tomorrow's the 16th. 15th, start with Proverbs 15, run it through the end of the month. When you get to September the 1st, oh, it's coming too quick. Start back at Proverbs 1 again. If you'll do that every day, I did that for years, every single day. Whatever day it was, that's a proverb I'm reading. You'll be shocked of how sometimes it lines up with the day that you're having. It'll line up with the season that you're in. There's wisdom there. God has provided this library of books for us so that whatever we need, if you need, you need wisdom, you go to Proverbs. If you need comfort, you go to the book of Psalms. Okay, if you want to find out about the life of Jesus, you go to the Gospels. If you want to find out about who you are in this Christianity thing, you go to the epistles, the letters to the church. You want to find out history? You go to the Old Testament and the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the history of the church. You want to find out what's going to happen in the future? Book of Daniel, book of Revelation, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. You go to those. God has provided wisdom and understanding and knowledge for every facet of our lives. If you don't take advantage of it, it's not God's fault. Be intentional. Amen? Proverbs will teach us about walking, thinking, and talking. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Listen, if you need prayer for anything, come on up. If not, God bless you. Go enjoy the rest of this weekend.